It's a post-World War II and the economy is booming. 16 million veterans return from home. New marriages, new babies, new jobs. By 1954, more than 4 million babies were born each year through 1957. The housing industry is struggling to keep up with a demand for single-family homes in this newfangled idea called a subdivision. The veterans needed low-cost housing, low-down payments, and long-term mortgages. Tract houses, mass-produced cookie-cutter homes, seemed to fit the bill. Houses were built on concrete slabs or on low crawl spaces to help save money. There were no more basements to hide plumbing and furnaces. Advancements, though, in architecture and technology brought new and improved modern conveniences into the home. Homes had showers with glass doors, heated floors, ice makers, and freezers. New affordable, flexible materials were designed to make the homes a bright and happy place to relax and entertain guests. There's a feeling of abundance as rations are lifted and you are free to purchase as much sugar, butter, and meat as you'd like. And since America did a great job collecting and contributing to the war efforts, we now have a, an abundance of steel that is being reinvented as useful appliances and even cabinets. And while many of the labor-saving devices of this new modern age will help the ladies of the house with many of her daily duties that go into running a home, poisonous gases, electrical shortages, rust, dangerous household items, and building materials can turn her little slice of heaven into a treacherous death trap. Welcome, my name is Elizabeth Bougeret, and I'm that person when studying the many facets of history likes to peek behind the curtain, investigate hidden passages, drop into the rabbit hole, or dare to walk in the shadows, because we all know that's where the good stories can be found. Take a listen, then, to discover what dark or peculiar pieces of American history can be found in my bag of bones. The 1950s was like a brand new creation of America. We had changed, grown up and out in many ways following the strain of World War II. Most of the households that used to have domestic help had to be let go since it was all hands on deck for the war effort, and then following, moved on to other lines of work. When the men came home, they needed to return to their jobs, leaving women who had a taste of the workforce and liked it, they had to figure out what their next role would be in this new modern era. Courses were created to direct women in running their homes and stepping into the workforce now at a voluntary level in various home economics positions. Many did not know how to cook since domestic help did all the kitchen work, and suddenly women were held at a very high standard to have a well-functioning home, understand cooking, cleaning, finance, grooming, childcare, budgeting, and all the rest. It was a new world. It was as if the universe picked up a chessboard mid-game, tossed all the pieces into the air, and allowed them to land on a Parcheesi board and expect them to complete the new game with the new rules that are written in fine print on the bottom of the board. These new homes reflected these new changes. While many women chose to find work in a professional capacity specifically chosen for her gender, most were content being the managers of their domain the happy housewife and mother. 
the homes encourage efficiency, entertaining, and clean, crisp designs. To keep up with the demand, the track houses had less square footage and many times the dining room had to be taken out of the floor plan to make room for the larger, bolder new kitchen models. The kitchen. It was no longer hidden away, but redesigned with all the newest materials. Formica tabletops, laminate counters, all trimmed with gleaming rails of steel. With an abundance of steel, the prices were more reasonable, making steel cabinets the perfect choice. They could be matched in color and style to the appliances, countertops, and floors, easy to clean, and quite durable. These cabinets would cleverly hide many of the matching countertop appliances such as the mixer, can opener, and electric percolator. Once a room that was only used for cooking, the kitchen transforms to the heart of the home. It now opens up for entertaining, doing many of the daily tasks such as the normal cooking, cleaning, but also laundry. And for when the husband returns to his palace to a home-cooked meal after a long day at work. But since she had to do all the chores herself, or if she chose to work outside the home in female-approved positions, of course, the latest in appliance technology would help her complete her household duties easily and efficiently. Household appliance sales would increase by 240% in the early 50s. But no matter what the generation we look at, it's all about supply and demand. Now that the world can turn back into domestic life instead of war, scientists turn their attention to all of the latest gadgetry, making it better, more efficient, faster, and of course, prettier. Refrigerators with freezers, ice makers, and butter warmers, vacuum cleaners were now available in upright versions. Televisions, can openers, space heaters, toasters, washers, mixers, juicers... The new brightly colored pastel options and open floor plans that tucked all major appliances along the outer edges allowed the woman of the home to design her hearth exactly how she liked, bright and happy. So happy, in fact, she'd never want to leave. Electric can openers originally debuted in 1931, but they caught on in the 50s with their smooth, sleek designs, shiny handles, and the freestanding opener which also incorporated a knife sharpener. It was sold in flamingo pink, avocado green, and aqua blue to match the color scheme of any kitchen of the day. In fact, here's an advertisement that says it all. Here's the description from a 1952 model. Quote, She'll adore the man who chooses this precision-engineered, all-new Kenmore automatic electric can opener for her gift. Opens round or oval-shaped cans in a wink. Faster, better, easier, safer. Never leaves a dangerous ragged edge. So easy to use. So safe that even a child can operate it. End quote. The Red Cross, however, counters this with an ad all of their own that reads something like this. Quote, the deadly can opener. Of all the implements with which the housewife comes in contact, it is difficult to think of any possessing higher potentiality for injury than the can opener. First of all, the greatest care should be exercised in using a can opener, but when an accident comes, the Red Cross first aid kit is indispensable. End quote. I could pretty much leave that right there. 
We don't even have to talk about the microscopic germs from the remnants of the food and shavings of tin left behind on the blades. By 1960, still only about 72% of homes had washing machines. Three out of nine of those machines were equipped with a ringer apparatus. So, for those of you who have never seen such an invention, imagine a deep tub with a centerpiece that agitated the water and the clothes completely covered in water with the soap and the bleaches all added in. Once the clothes were clean, you had to wring out the excess water by hand or feed one article of clothing at a time between a set of two rolling pins that could compress 800 pounds of pressure. The water would be pressed from the article and dropped into a basket on the other side, and then taken outside to hang on the line. However, the rollers were not particular about what they pulled through. Anything that began the feed was going to come through to the other side. Many women got their hair, clothing, fingers, and other things caught between the powerful rollers, and there was no on and off switch. You had to pull the cord from the wall and allow the process to slowly wind down before you were free from the apparatus. Quoting the Ringer Washing Machine Injury Report, quote, There is a wide variety in the type and degree of injuries from these Ringer machines. They range in extent from slight bruises and lacerations of the fingers and hand, through crushing injuries to the soft tissues and muscles, fractures of the bones, up to and including occasional fatalities, end quote. But wait, there's more. And I quote, In addition to the usual fingers and arms caught in the ringers, there are instances of neckerchiefs, neckties, hair, nipple and breast, and other parts of the body and clothing apparel getting caught. <laughs> what? <laughs> you, you heard me correctly. <sighs> and while there is no standards of safety put in place until 1952, the amounts of injuries stacked up and many were not even reported. These didn't include the machines that had been purchased, used, and repaired. The machines were so well built that they easily lasted for 30 years or more. Not intended for the amateur novice housewife, obviously. How does one go about getting body parts? Never mind. And how do these stay on the market for so long? Anyway, I digress. The new homes were built with all the modern conveniences in mind. Homes were open with large yards and patios for outdoor entertaining. One of the most popular additions to the homes were sliding glass doors. Back in the 1950s, safety glass had yet to be invented, so large single panes of glass in aluminum framing replaced the wooden frames with weights and double glass panes. These clear sheets of glass were used for front doors, the beautiful sliding glass doors, and showers were now a popular addition to most, if not all, bathrooms, and were also encased in gleaming sliding glass shower doors. So very beautiful. Until, the bad thing of not having safety glass is, it became all too easy with the right impact in just the right place, the glass shattered into a million sharp pieces. Heating solutions in homes had come a long way by the end of the 1940s, Central heat did become an option in the early 1950s, but most homes still used oil or gas boilers, and the rooms 
were individually heated by radiators. Heated floors were one of the new options for newer homes. Panel heating, it was called. It was comfortable and quiet, designed to warm the cold concrete slab floors by radiating heat upwards so that the carpets, surfaces, and feet would absorb the warmth. Warm water was circulated through pipes under the floor, and the boiler would push the heated water to keep a specific temperature. While it's a lovely concept, it was littered with difficulties. One major issue was that if there was a problem with any of the piping, it was difficult to perform maintenance. If one of the small, thin pipes burst or began to leak, it could cause quite a bit of damage to homes, and it was difficult keeping the heat inside against the concrete slab. So the temperatures never remained consistent. And in colder weather, when you might be tempted to turn up the heat, it has resulted in more than one case of hot foot in local hospitals. Vinyl linoleum was new to the kitchens of Britain and America. This smooth, pliable, and colorful material was being rolled out for both floors and wallpapers, extolling its virtues as being easy to clean, shiny, no need for waxing, stain-resistant, fireproof, and available in every vibrant color. No one really knew that the long-term effects of the very things that would give the vinyl its strength was also damaging our lungs. Asbestos. Even upon hearing its name, I'm sure my entire audience gasped, for now we know its damaging effects so well. How many of you were introduced to this dangerous compound from the mass legal actions advertised on television? If you've been diagnosed with mesothelioma, call our offices. You deserve compensation. Asbestos and its damaging effects has actually been around in major production since before the 1800s and the Industrial Age. Asbestos, if left untouched, it has low toxicity. However, the workers that were exposed to it day in and day out, which, I might add, were women and children at this time, may have a different opinion on its toxicity. The new home had this amazing multi-use chemical everywhere, and while the women were most likely not digging around in the attic or adjusting the insulators around the boilers, the installation, any remodeling, any tears or scuff marks allow the microfibers to escape, which are light enough to be breathed in, but barbed so as not to be able to be exhaled back out. Tiny, microscopic barbs in your lungs. But they helped give material strength and created such durability, it started to be used in many, many items, and because of its durability, we are still plagued with it even today. But at the time, it was an easily mined, affordable product, and housewives all across America sat on their plastic fiber sofas, crossing at their ankles while flipping through the latest Sears and Roebuck or Montgomery Ward catalogs to choose their design of vinyl flooring they would want in their kitchens. Asbestos could also be found in clothing dryers, as protectant on water heaters, insulation, electrical wiring, even in asphalt and vehicles brake pads. Oh, but don't think that you're safe so long as you don't tear your flooring. By the way, the floating microfibers just from installation day 
would still have been floating around for months following. And again, they say that asbestos isn't too bad unless you disturb it, but here's one more instance that I was more than a little shocked by. Since asbestos is fire retardant, it was, and is, still commonly found in hair dryers. The hood hair dryers used in salons that women visited regularly had a protective layer of asbestos around the plastic hood and around the heating elements. And yes, those hair dryers you use from home, 90% asbestos. Yeah, you're basically blowing asbestos into your face and skin. It wasn't until 1979 that the Product Safety Commission ruled that, quote, asbestos fibers emitted from hair dryers may pose significant health threat, end quote. And by the way, it may have limitations put on it, but it still has not been banned. Yeah, well, back to the kitchen. Hey everyone, Elizabeth Bougeret here. You know, one of my resolutions for the new year was to expand my cooking knowledge. I found myself getting stuck and just preparing the same meals over and over again. Enter every plate. My daughter introduced me to this meal subscription and I thought I'd give it a try. I decided to commit to three months just to see what would happen. Every plate has turned me into a better cook. I decided to go with three meals per week, so once a week, a box is delivered right to me with everything I need to prepare a fresh new meal. I choose the menu, I choose the number of meals, and I choose how long to be a part of the plan. And I can pause it at any time if I need to. So honestly, I've been testing out the EveryPlate meals for a few weeks now, and I love them. I didn't want to talk about it or extend my discount until I was sure it was really a great product. And here I am. I look forward to the new ingredients boxes every week and I can't wait to try a brand new recipe. Now I'm pleased to be able to offer you the same deal that I used to get started with every plate. To get $45 off your first order, just go to the show notes and click the link. And then the fun begins. You'll see the menu choices for the week, so you just choose your meal plan, your frequency, and then suddenly, you're a brilliant cook, creating amazing meals, and everyone loves you. Go ahead, give it a try. I can't wait to find out what recipes you've chosen. We can even swap stories. Every plate. Even though most of the new kitchens were equipped with the modern and safer gases for cooking, many still used coal gas in their stoves and ranges. It was often called the execution chamber of the kitchen. The coal gases produced a combination of methane, hydrogen, and carbon monoxide, and without proper ventilation, the brain and nervous system can be deprived of oxygen in moments, knocking the victim unconscious continued breathing it in, and it will kill you. So, while it was fast and convenient and burned beautifully, you can see why this and many other reasons made coal gas not ideal for the home. Eventually, it was replaced with natural gas that is a byproduct of oil drilling. 
However, many deaths occurred from carbon monoxide poison because of outdated appliances, furnaces, water heaters, and individual room heaters. Improper ventilation and having the pipes turned down instead of up didn't help matters either. So, many people turned to electricity. Many of the houses were brand new and anticipated this shift from gas. Electricity was the wave of the future. Washers, dryers, televisions, ovens with combined stovetops, percolators, and even the clocks were switching from wind-up to electric. Electricity was deemed plentiful, low-maintenance, and less dangerous. In the mid-1950s, General Electric encouraged the use of electric gadgets and appliances by hosting the General Electric Theater. This was a television campaign that had host Ronald Reagan and wife Nancy do a tour of their all-electric home in the Pacific Palisades. But even with all the praise for an unlimited supply of power, over 1,000 deaths each year was attributed to electrocution. With the advent of the do-it-yourselfer in these post-war times, there were many who took the wartime slogans of Grow Your Own Victory Garden, Make Do and Mend, Give Us the Tools, Can All You Can, into the next decade. While our men were away and those who were left at home were encouraged to take care of things themselves, it just became what you did. While these days the DIYer is most identified as the crafter, and that's probably because it's just become second nature for us now to see if we can handle it ourselves before we call the professionals. And I guess this is where it began. They would pick up a magazine, read the simple instructions, and tackle the job on their own. For the houses that still operated as if the only electric that was going to be used was lighting, they were much surprised that their power supply wasn't strong enough, which caused overheating and fires. So they tried to make their old wiring keep up with the new demands, which led to overcrowded outlets, which led to shorted-out circuits and electrical fires. Aside from falls and poison, which we're getting to, home fires was the leading cause of death in the 1950s. The main cause for home fires were, of course, getting distracted or not paying attention while you're cooking. But also, back then, the wiring of the time had no grounding, which means those cords you see with only two-prong receptacles if it happened to be a bad cord, the flow of electricity would course through until it reaches the fixture. Grounding allows it to be able to detect the miswire and save you from this electrocution hazard. Electrical problems almost at this point seem logical, but among the, that percentage of death by fire, many came from the flammable material that was found on furniture and clothing. Allow me to introduce to you Formaldehyde in the furniture. Formaldehyde is often found in particle board, plywood building, insulation, and fabric finishes. In the building of these brand new track homes, formaldehyde laced items were found all through the walls, the wood of the furniture, and even the fabric that covered the polymer foam furniture and heavy drapes. Highly flammable. Of course, Tobacco smoke also contains formaldehyde, and in the 1950s it was not uncommon for at least one member of a household to smoke cigarettes or a tobacco of some kind. 
Smoking obviously has been linked to breathing problems, but even the exposure to these other forms has been linked to causing birth defects, breathing problems, headaches, and rashes. One of the new forms of plastic is the polyurethane foam used for furniture cushions, mattresses, and pillows. What they didn't know then, but we know now, is that it would, over time, release toxic substances producing severe lung problems and, surprise surprise, is extremely flammable. A special 1947 issue of House Beautiful included a 50-page insert devoted to, quote, plastics, a way to a better, more carefree life. The new materials were quick, damp cloth clean, ready, the new lightweight furniture with brilliant color and modern, even futuristic prints and objects could endure spills, easily be wiped clean, came in a variety of styles, and thanks to polyurethane foam, they were fuller and more comfortable to sit on. Not only were they highly flammable, the foam itself turned to a liquid form and would drip and run wherever it had space quickly spreading fire from room to room, and even worse, it would adhere to whatever it touched. So, if you happen to have this molten lava of a former couch drip on you, it sears to your skin. But taking just a moment to circle back to the fact that most households had at least one smoker, or they anticipated hosting guests as smokers, every good hostess had an ashtray on her hand for goodness sake. Realizing how flammable everything in the house was, it's no wonder that death by fire remained in the top five causes for more than 10 years following the war. You've all survived history class. My history education was all about cramming dates and names and battles into my teenage brain in order to pass the newest test to make the school look good. I didn't really enjoy history until I was able to revisit it and see that history was made up of people, just like me. They had struggles, they had joy, they had sadness, and they felt victories. It became so very real to me. And now, I'm on a mission to revisit as much history as I can. Hello, my name's Elizabeth Bougeret. I'm a full-time author and a full-time traveler, and I would love to share what I'm learning with you. Come with me. See my sights and stories as I go. I love history now. Real history. Not just the dates and battles. And I've discovered that others do too. So, I've created a group in Facebook, and I'd love for you to join me on my travels and adventures. Let me reintroduce you to a history that's made up of people, places, adventures. I'll even throw in a few battles for good measure. If you love American history with a side of travel, I'm sure you'll enjoy this group. Join me over there. Search the Facebook groups for History Revisited, I'm the one with the blue feather, or Type in historyrevisited.info in the search bar and then join in on the adventure. And so I can be sure to welcome you properly, be sure to say hello.
We now know that death can be lurking everywhere in any home. I suppose it makes it easier when it can be conveniently found under the sink or in the garden shed. I'm referring to the once common household products that were used on a regular basis that no one knew, or some knew and exploited, as we have learned in prior episodes, were deadly killers. Death by poison was the second most common way a person died from household accidents. Up until the 1960s, trisodium phosphate, otherwise known as TSP, was a key ingredient in household cleaning solutions. It was best used for especially difficult jobs like cleaning up spilled paint, cleaning concrete, and it was a powerful opponent for decreasing appliances and broilers. This product has been known to cause the throat to swell, vision loss, and skin irritations. Creosote is the thick, greasy black liquid that was used as a preservative for wood. It was used to protect wood fences, mailbox posts, and decks. This deadly silent killer could also be found naturally in the chimneys of houses with fireplaces. It's commonly known to cause convulsions, deterioration of the liver, and of course, death. Lye or sodium hydroxide. This chemical was used for curing fish and olives, bleaching wood and hair, cleaning clothing, and cleaning drains. Inhaling these fumes can cause your throat to swell, burn your lungs and esophagus, and if it's ingested, it can burn holes in your digestive tract. Scotchgard. This spray on fabric protector helped to repel greasy and other types of stains on fabric surfaces such as carpets, furniture, auto upholstery, and was even used on outerwear such as coats for a water repellent. And yes, it is still on the market today with a few recipe changes because the original had been linked to show that the chemical tended to accumulate in human tissue, posing health risks such as thyroid-related problems, some forms of cancer, and liver damage. And of course, there's lead. While lead-based items can be found throughout the house, the pipes, the television, it was most popularly found in paints. It is known to cause kidney failure, reproductive issues, physical and mental development issues in children, and oh, so much more. This era also gives us a boon in television productions. Thanks to the innovations during the war, it helped to lower the cost of television production, which then made the cost of the purchase lower, making it more accessible to the modern families. By 1950, there were little over 6 million television sets in the homes of America. Maybe you've had a parent or a grandparent say to you, don't sit too close to the television, you'll ruin your eyesight. Or, don't watch television too long, it could rot your brain. Well, little did we know that the early color televisions were sending out radiation to our young, growing brains. And we were, literally, rotting brains, melting them. Televisions of the early 1960s needed a higher voltage to produce the color image. Unbeknownst to the viewers, they were being exposed to 100,000 times higher the safety limit of the exposure to radiation. 
the government eventually released a statement saying that it wasn't as bad if you would sit at least six feet away. So your caregivers might not have actually been addressing the fact that you sitting in front of the television is rude, but who knew it was also a health hazard. And I'll leave you with one final home curiosity that, looking back, you wonder how it ever got approved for production. Here is the actual sales pitch for the Kenmore Indoor Garbage Burner that seemed to be all the rage in the early 1950s. And I quote, Dump your food scraps, sweeper dirt, and rubbish, anything burnable, into this Kenmore Garbage Burner. Light it and leave. No more trash burning sessions outdoors. No more bother with garbage cans. Heavy gauge steel body has a smooth metallic brown baked on enamel finish. Top grate and burner are made of sturdy, warp resistant cast iron. End quote. What could possibly go wrong? It does make you wonder when they are looking back at this time in history what deadly things we've been living with that finally explains the causes of our major health issues. And if we knew about them, would we really do anything about it? Thanks for joining me on this episode. I would love your feedback and positive reviews wherever you listen from. Join us over at Bag of Bones Podcast on the Facebook or Instagram pages or at my website, elizabethbougeret.com. I hope you meet me back here again next week and see what we can find in my bag of bones. Bag of Bones is created and hosted by Elizabeth Bougere with research by Anna Krunkeberg. Produced by the Ragtag Network and History Revisited. Music by Johnny Reed. To learn more about the show, visit elizabethbougere.com. For more podcasts from the Ragtag Network, visit their website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. Copyrights by Elizabeth Bougere and DCT Enterprises.